Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and this is a very important episode because we are talking about something that way too many people are afraid to talk about, but it is the common denominator for all entrepreneurs, and that is profit. Yes, we're getting real. We're talking about money today and we're doing it with an incredible entrepreneur who I'm already so excited for our conversation. I am joined today by Alex Engar. He is one of the co-founders of CEO Finance Academy. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Alex, then we're going to dive straight in. Alex grew up in the mountainous terrains of Utah where he developed a knack for entrepreneurship at an early age. Wait until you hear this guy's story. He's had some interesting twists and turns that have all led to where he is today after graduating from the University of Utah with his doctorate of physical therapy. You heard that right. He quickly realized he wanted something beyond the nine to five clinical life, which led to him co-founding a company called Healthy Funnel alongside his business partner, Will Boyd, which was a marketing agency and consultancy. It was running an agency where he got to see the inside of hundreds of small businesses and found a gap in most owners' understanding of their business finances, which is great for him, but also great for us because we're going to get to learn from him today after consulting with a few dozen of these businesses and referrals coming in fast, Healthy Funnel gave way to CEO Finance Academy, which we're going to talk all about today. Alex, in addition to his business life, just moved into a new house with a really sweet video studio. We were talking off air here today. He's also a dad to three beautiful girls and a husband to his wife, Sarah. I'm not going to say anymore because I want to get Alex on air. So I'm excited to dive into my interview today with Alex Engar. Dude, I feel like I'm already hyped up to start this episode. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. And you set this bar way too high. And now the, the rest of the 45 minutes, people are going to be like, man, Brian's way too nice to this guy. Dude, thank you so much for the very kind intro. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, what listeners may or may not realize is that I always get a chance to talk to guests before we actually hit record. And I feel like you and I were already like escalating one another even before we hit record. So I figure... Let's jump in with the good stuff, man. Alex, I read the bio, but I want you to fill in the gaps. Who the heck are you? <laughs> man, I'm someone who at, at heart, I'm just a big old nerd, all right? And I'm a nerd who's happened to find a way to do business uh, while nerding out on things. And at the end of the day, I just realized over and over that the the standard like nine to five career path is totally not going to be a fit. I'm sure that's how most of your listeners feel. And man, my path, as you mentioned, was very windy, right? I used to think I was going to be a meteorologist. I love weather. I worked at a TV station. That was the path. And then when I realized that that career chain isn't so hot after all, no pun intended, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something that's really important and complicated. So I was gonna go into neurosurgery. So it was actually, I took the MCATs, I was ready to apply to med school. And I was sitting down with a medical resident one day and he was like, Alex, unless you wanna be on call 70 hours a week and you absolutely love the field of medicine, maybe you should think about doing something different. I just figured out that we were gonna have our first daughter and I was like, dude, maybe I actually don't care that much about being uh, having the MD after my name, maybe I care more about being a better dad. And that was by far the thing that's led me to where we're at now is just, hey, how can I have really good balance in my life as an entrepreneur? And uh, 
found my way through physical therapy school, got the doctorate, haven't treated one day as a licensed PT. I knew pretty early on in PT school, I was like, I probably won't be treating full time. I just had no clue it would turn into what we're doing now. So life has twists and turns and it's so funny to see where, where it takes you along the road. And I remember writing one day in my journal, I was like, I have no clue what I wanna do with my life. I just don't wanna do something boring like help people with their money. And lo and behold, here I am helping entrepreneurs with their money. And it's funny where life puts you, man. <laughs> Dude, I love that. It's funny. Every once in a while, I say on the show, whether it's a solo episode or an episode with guests, where I always say, I've never said this publicly before. And it's so, it's so rare that I get to say that and truly mean it. But this is one of those times, Alex, I've never said publicly before my dream job as a child was weatherman. Totally, just yeah. like you. You're the only person I've ever met who also said that. I was that weird kid who like would run into our local weatherman at the mall and tell my parents like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, Todd Gross or whoever it may be. So <laughs> somehow we found each oh, other, Alex. Man. Isn't that weird how we have those little things that shape us early on? And now look at you on air, uh, maybe not giving the weather, but giving people something much more important. It's true, I never thought about that, how those parallels came. Well, I love that you've introduced that factor of you never know where these parallels will take us, Bridge that gap for us, because listeners are probably thinking, holy cow, so you got your doctorate in PT. How does that transition to Healthy Funnel? How does that then transition to CEO Finance Academy? Yeah, so near the end of PT school, I was probably, I actually probably had about uh, a year and a half left, so halfway through. Uh, I stumbled across Pat Flynn, which I'm sure many of you have. That first started the wheels of, oh man, you can do something different and you can do it online. And so I, I started thinking that I'd be like, maybe I'll be a, like a running dude, right? And I'd take all the PT knowledge and I'd implement it into a running course. So I took all these fancy running courses. The, uh, the, the big like imposter syndrome started welling up and I was like, oh crap, I haven't even graduated. I can't, I can't do this stuff. But as I learned all of the, you know, hey, here's how to create an online course. Here's how to market. Here's how to do these things. While I was in PT school, I started picking up the marketing side more and more. And I started having opportunities pop up where I could help people with their marketing while I was still a PT student. So I started doing video editing. I started a podcast. I started doing podcast editing. All these little things started stacking up these extra skills that were completely outside the realm of what I was sort of doing in my life, but they just stacked up on the side and ended up that my business partner and I met in a Facebook group of all places. We were both PTs, both PT students actually still at the time and said, hey, what if we start a Facebook group just talking about all this marketing stuff that we're learning and we can help other PTs figure this stuff out. And so we did that and over the course of about six to seven months, we started growing an audience very quickly without really meaning to. And we just started doing live videos. I remember we put out, I was like, okay guys, we're gonna get uh, serious about this. We're gonna put out a free course. And it was literally everything we knew up to that point. We just started putting out multiple times a week, live videos on Facebook and very long form written posts. And I remember it was so weird that first entrepreneur spark of, holy crap, this could be a business. When people started asking us, hey, can you just put all this in a course and we'll pay you for it? I was like, why would you ever pay me for it? It's free. And uh, so Black Friday, 2017, we launched our first course. We made our first $10,000 in like two days, which totally blew our minds. And it was like, huh, maybe this could be something. And so fast forward down that road, uh, within the first year, we made our first six figures, totally blew apart my expectations for what could happen in like running a free Facebook group. And we realized really quickly that making money didn't mean keeping money. <laughs> And I remember we had done a, it was our second really big product launch of like a flagship course on marketing. And we had made, it was like $80,000 uh, in that launch. And I remember sitting down, dude, I was so stoked. Cause this was at the point where I was like, 
do I really have to be a PT or can I make this work? And that was the validation that we could, you know, kind of make it work as an entrepreneur. But then I was like, wait a second, I don't know how much I can pay myself from this. And so we sat down and started looking at all the numbers. And I realized because, you know, payment plans come into play and we were getting sophisticated enough to have some affiliate payouts. And then we had software and all this stuff. And as I started looking at it, I was like, wait a second, I think I have to pay tax on this too. Crap. And so I was expecting this $40,000 payday, you know, because it's like, oh, we made 80, we'll split it down the middle and I'll take 40. That'll be great. And I just had this moment of panic where I was like, oh, crap, I don't understand the financials of this. And I come from a background where I'm like really nerdy about keeping track of my own personal finances. And so to realize that I didn't understand business finances was a real like gut punch. And so I spent the next like three or four weeks diving into the tax code and understanding how that worked, figuring out, you know, what do I need to do for business finances? Oh, I guess I should keep some money in the bank for reserves. And then I remember the payout ended up being like for that first month, I think it was like seven grand. It was like, this is great. And don't get me wrong, that was life-changing. But I realized that I had a lot more to learn about finances if I was really going to make this thing a business and not just a side hustle hobby anymore. Yeah, Alex, so much goodness just in that one answer that I want to dive into. But before we dive into the financial side, I do want to call out for listeners. My job as host, I always just put my listener hat on. That's what I always like to do in these conversations. And I want to call out for listeners something huge there that Alex talked about in his own entrepreneurial story. And you heard him talk about Pat Flynn. And Alex, the thing that I like that you and Pat Flynn both have in common, Pat Flynn was in architecture school and he was studying for the architecture exam. And that's when he he decided to create a course about how to pass the architectural exam. So for you listeners hearing Alex's story and being like, whoa, 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 that's like huge progress in a short amount of time. I want you to fill in those gaps and we will for sure. But I want to call out that Alex took the skills. Alex, you called them skills that you were just getting on the side. You took those skills and realized there's value in giving these to people. So you started giving value through your Facebook group, through live streams, through just giving it away for free. And then you were able to monetize those skills. It's like such a simple entrepreneurial story, but I love the simplicity in it. Well, it's funny too, because we didn't intend to start a business at all. Like I've always been entrepreneurial, but I didn't intend for that to be the path by any means, right? I thought I was going to be this like running doctor dude online and it just sort of fell into place. And I think that's an important thing to remember as an entrepreneur is you might have these great plans about where you want to take things, but if you keep your eyes open for the opportunities along the way and just show up, and be willing to give to people. It's like, well, that's how that's how most entrepreneur journeys actually go, right? It's like, oh, I didn't realize that this would be an opportunity when I showed up, but it was here, and I just started taking some steps down that path. And so that that's really been, a, I, I call them nudges, just little things along the way that's like, oh, maybe I could go this direction, right? And it feels like a branch or an offshoot of where you might be intending to go. It's like, well, what if I take a couple steps down this path? What does that look like? Which is why I've ended up now going from meteorologist to neurosurgeon to PT to marketer to now a uh, financial coach. It's definitely not the path that I planned on or intended, but man, it's so fun to be at a spot where you're like, hey, I was actually guided here with little steps along the way. And there were all these little breadcrumbs that now I can look back. It's really easy to see. It's like, oh, the meteorology stuff served me. I was in television and broadcasting for a while. That served me to get comfortable being in this sort of environment, right? I was a mascot at my university and that served me in figuring out, oh, I can put myself in situations that I might not be comfortable and I can just go with it and I can have fun. Like there's all these little lessons along the way that I feel like stack up to putting you in a spot where if you're willing to take advantage of it, or at least willing to show up, 
you can accomplish things that you never would have thought were possible before. And I didn't intend for this to be the message of what we talk about today, but that's really been a big theme throughout my journey is just like, hey, let's, let's follow the nudges and see where they lead. Heck yeah, I love that. And speaking of nudges, for me, same thing. When I started my very first business as a 19-year-old, a soccer blog didn't intend for it to become a business. And I won't get into that whole story. Listeners have for sure heard that. But Alex, I wanna use it for you and with you as an illustration about finances. Because my first six months of that quote-unquote business, which grew into a wildly successful business, but the first six months, I made $200. And to me, that $200 was like everything I needed as a 19-year-old to believe and to start viewing it as a business and to start taking it more seriously. But you're right. I ran into that big question of, you know, 19-year-old college kid, I could really use 200 bucks. But then on the flip side, as a business owner, I was like, ooh, what should I do with this $200? Should I pay for ads? Should I invest in hiring other writers for my blog? I didn't know what to do. So ultimately, I, I pocketed it, Alex. But I do want to use that illustration to to segue into you talking about those types of real life dilemmas for entrepreneurs. Why are we even talking about this stuff? Because a lot of entrepreneurs think, well, if I just make money, boom, that's business solved. That is how it is. Talk to us. Introduce these financial questions for us. So a lot of this stems from the fact that most entrepreneurs get their start because they have an idea that someone else is willing to pay them for, right? Whether it's a service or a product. And so we start to derive value or we think that our value is in like, okay, I'll provide something and people will pay me, right? And that's usually how, how it first starts. But what we don't realize is that running a business involves a lot more than just making sales. And that starts to slap you in the face a little bit if you haven't felt like, you know, a lot of people take on the identity of I'm not good with money or I've been disorganized with money in the past. And we take that past into business with us. And then all of a sudden it's like, I have all this money and you feel this, dude, I, I don't know what it is, but it, when you start making more money, all of a sudden it's like your ability to spend it goes up significantly. We all know that personally, right? But in the business, I feel like it's 10 X. And so, especially once entrepreneurs start making money, they start feeling like, well, I have all these things that I want to spend on and they're all business write-offs and it all helps my taxes, I'm sure. So I'm just going to spend it all. And so I see a lot of owners who will start making a lot of money, especially in their first six figures of earnings. They'll make a lot of money, but they'll spend almost all of it and not pay themselves with the intent being, well, I'm reinvesting it all. But then they start carrying that further and further and further into their business. And that can get you in, in real trouble. And so I think it, at the beginning, it's just, we don't know, right? That's the biggest thing. It's just, it's, there's not like, here's the handbook for how to handle finances when you file your LLC, right? I didn't get that handbook. <laughs> I had figured it out on my own. Or people go the route of, well, I'm just going to keep my, I call it head in the sand syndrome. I'm going to keep my head in the sand. Uh, I'm just going to keep making more sales and it'll all work out until it's like, oh, I got stuck with a huge tax bill. I didn't realize it, right? And so oftentimes I think we get slapped in the face with reality and that's when we start addressing it. And so our theory is, well, what if we can introduce some basic financial concepts early on in business ownership? And then as you grow, you can get more sophisticated and advanced in your knowledge, learn how to hire people that, uh, that can help you with it. And that's a big one that I see people really struggling with and we can get into specifics on, on topics we want to dive into deeper. But I see a lot of people thinking they can just outsource the financial side. It's like, oh, I'll hire an accountant, right? He'll file my taxes and he'll cover all my business finance needs. It's like, oh, no. Or even I've hired a bookkeeper. I'm set. I don't ever need to make a financial decision again. It's like, no, you as the CEO or founder of the business have to understand finances and business finance management at the same level you understand marketing, sales, 
delivery, managing a team. It's one of those five key skill sets that you have to have as an entrepreneur. And if you don't get it, then often the rest of the business starts to feel like it's crumbling around you. Yeah, and that's one thing that really stood out to me about the work that you and Will do together, which is it's right in your business name, CEO Finance Academy. And Alex, I'll tell you this, as someone who networks and talks with and, and has interviews with entrepreneurs at all different levels of all different industry types, the thing that I think is fascinating is that you guys genuinely believe, no, the CEO should also be educated on financial stuff. And you talk about making financial decisions. And I know that's a key driver behind the work that you you guys do. So I want to hear more about that for entrepreneurs who are listening to this. Maybe they're not at 10K a month just yet. Heck, maybe they're not even at 5K a month just yet. And they're thinking, well, right now I just want to make money. What sort of financial decisions can you start making better that not only sets you up for success today, but also success tomorrow? Yeah. So the first one is if you're going to be a business owner, be a business owner, don't be a dabbler and make sure that you start getting separation between your personal and your business finances. That's the very first one. And I still see a lot of business owners who are very advanced. I mean, you know, high six to seven, even sometimes multi seven figures where there's still this intermingling of personal and, and business funds. And so at the very beginning, or as soon as you feel like, yes, this is a viable business and I'm making money, you, you know, you create your entity, whether that's an LLC or whatever, you, you make an LLC, get us get a separate bank account. There are actually business bank accounts and most banks or credit unions will let you open one. And so I love working with a, a credit union. They end up having lower fees. They're a little bit more flexible with working with you locally. And so that's one of the very first things is separate your personal and business finances. And I, I don't like using fear to, to encourage people to make decisions, but just a little illustration for why this matters so much. If you get an LLC, and the whole, a big part of the reason that you get one is so that there's separation between you and the business, right? From a, a liability standpoint, like if someone sues the business, they can't just reach into your personal bank account, right? That's the whole idea. Uh, the thing is, if you're buying business expenses on a personal credit card or vice versa, if you're putting personal expenses on a business card, uh, then it can open you up to having your personal finances uh, grabbed if there were a lawsuit for it. It's called piercing the corporate veil. And doesn't that sound scary, right? But it's something really serious that business owners don't take very seriously early on. And, and they're just kind of lazy about it. I was lazy about it too. I didn't know. And so that's one of the first things is get things separate. Okay. Start with some separation. And then it also becomes a lot simpler to look at how much am I actually making and spending just for the business and leave my personal finances aside. So that I would say is very first thing, start to get them separated so it's easier to manage and you're you're actually legal in, in how you're operating. Yeah, and one thing that often goes under said here, Alex, but I'm gonna totally vouch for that advice is I remember when I made those first $200, I was in business school, I majored in economics and finance, and so every professor also preached this advice, open a business account when you start your business. And I thought you had to do something fancy to open a business account, but instead, I just got my big boy pants on, I went to my local credit union actually, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and I walked in there and I said, I was 19, I didn't know if they'd take me seriously, I didn't know if they'd ask for a business plan. And I said, 
I want to open a business checking account. And I thought I would be interrogated. I thought they'd have all these questions, but you're right. He just opened the account for me and it was free. And what I realized that day, Alex, was that the very nature of opening a business account also meant that I started taking my business more seriously. I started operating as a business owner instead of, ooh, people pay me for advertising on my soccer blog and it goes into my personal account. Let's keep doing this. I started thinking like a business owner. So, I wanna ask you this, because I remember when I started that business account, you know, it didn't exist back then, but all this profit first, and everyone talking about all these different financial strategies, but I wanna hear your perspective on that, because money going into your business account is one thing, but knowing what to do with that money, and you also say it, it's in a lot of your marketing for CEO Finance Academy, find out how much your business can afford to pay you. How do we start divvying it up? Where does this money go once it's sitting in that account? Yeah. So a couple things here, and this is where I start with everyone, even our most advanced people that are doing multi seven figures. We start with how much do you need from the business? And so the very first thing I do, and it actually makes some of my clients be like, oh, I want to dive into the business stuff. It's like, yeah, but just a minute, let's go figure out what you actually need. And so I always start with the foundation of let's go look at your personal expenses and figure out uh, how much does the business need to pay you every month in order for you to stay afloat, right? To not be eaten into savings. And so you need to factor in things like your rent or mortgage each month, right? Pers all your personal expenses. How much do you spend on food, groceries, gas, uh, medication, insurance, all those things. And then if your spouse has some money, it's like, all right, well, maybe I don't need to bring in quite as much because they're covering it. Or if you have a full-time job or another side hustle, cool, maybe I can knock that down a little bit. So then we come up with the number of what does this business need to pay me? And so we start with that because that dictates a lot of our targets down the road for how aggressive we need to be with pulling cash out of the business. And there's always a balance. I actually, I teach it like it's kind of a, a seesaw of priorities between your business needs money because you need to be able to reinvest, you need to pay the business, right? But then you personally need money as well. And so we always figure out first, which is the bigger priority? Is it paying yourself or is it saving up in the business? If the business is your sole source of income, then that puts a lot more pressure on it for you to take money out, right? Versus if you got a full-time job and you're fine financially and you're just stocking away reserves personally, then you might be fine to leave more of the money in the business and reinvest. So that's the context with this conversation is, first, let's get a sense of what's your personal situation and personal need. Next, then we start to look at, let's pretend that yes, I do need the business to pay me. And, uh, and now I have to figure out, well, what else do I need to, to save for? How do I move money around? At a baseline level, there's three key things. There's saving for taxes, there's saving for future business growth, and there's paying yourself. And so where I start to differ from things like profit first is I, I don't believe in saving taxes based off revenue, which is what he teaches. And don't get me wrong, Mike Michalowicz has some amazing stuff in the book, Profit First. And if that's, uh, you know, if you feel like, oh, I, I need an overview of stuff, the first like three or four chapters of Profit First, or you can YouTube it, has some great advice. Uh, I don't love how he manages money down the road for businesses. So I recommend saving 30% of your profit each month for taxes. Alex, profit, you're throwing out numbers, what does that mean? Well, if you look at all of your money that you bring in, your revenue or your sales, and then subtract out all of your business expenses, so revenue minus expenses equals your profit. That at the end of the year is what you'll tell the government, hey government, here's how much I made. And that is what they will tax you on. And so we save 30% of all our income, sorry, all of our profit for taxes. We set that aside first. And then I like to start with, depending on kind of where the business is at, I like to see, can I save 5% of everything that I bring in for future business growth? 
If I can, wonderful, I'll do that. If not, and I have to pay myself, then I'll prioritize owner payment next. It's like, cool, I'll say, I'll, I'll take as much as I actually need as an owner. But again, it's this balancing act, which is why it's really individual to each business. And Brian, I know that you, you've seen this in your business and, uh, and I'm sure in people that you've worked with, every situation's a little bit different. So it's hard to give a blanket statement and say, pay yourself this much. It's save 30% for taxes. If you can save 5% of your revenue for business growth, and then the rest of it, maybe you give yourself a pass and you can pay. Cool. So that, that's the, the starting point. It gets a little more complex as we grow in business complexity and there's stuff like bringing on business debt, having partners and paying stuff out, but that's the basics. And I like to have three separate banking accounts for that. One for all my money that goes in and out of the business. We can just call it a, an operating account. One for my tax savings. And then one that I call growth savings, where I'm putting that 5% each month so that I start to build up a little bit of a nest egg that's separate. So that's the starting ground for where I like entrepreneurs to, to begin. Yeah, I love that overview. And you're right, because it is so tricky because all different types of businesses, all different business sizes, industries, business models, cost structures, all of that, it does make it complicated. But I do love that overview from you. And I want to, for all of those entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are listening to this, Alex, I know that quite a few of them are starting their business as a side hustle, which so many of us, that's part of our entrepreneurial story. So it was interesting for to hear you say that if your business is not your sole source of income, then you have the luxury of it being a little bit different. Maybe your business doesn't have to cover your life overhead, the rent, the mortgage, all those other things you mentioned. How do you think that this differs, differs specifically for those listeners? Yeah. So if the business is a side hustle, you get to be in the mode where Again, you can invest more aggressively in it. And I would see it as an investment, right? It's like, this is truly, you know, this, this can have a much better return than uh, certainly the stock market the last couple of years, but better than crypto, better than real estate, better than all of our favorite things to invest in. Your business really can have a significantly better ROI. And so taking the mindset of, okay, what do I need to do to invest in growing this business? A lot of times it starts with education, right? And it starts with uh, finding help, whether that's coaching, courses, books, finding help to solve the next problem that you've got in the business. And so if I'm starting off as a side hustler, then I'm going to be, and I can reinvest a lot of the money into the business, then I'm going to be looking at what do I not know about business right now? And for me, it always starts with marketing, sales, and then delivery. It's like, okay, I don't understand marketing. I don't know how to get in front of people. Great. Where can I go learn to do that? What books, what YouTube channels, what courses, what uh, coaches, mentors can I go find that can help me with that? So that's always the first place I'm looking. Because if we can't generate money, and I do see this sometimes, Brian, where people will obsess over the finances a lot before they really need to. It's like, well, go obsess on marketing and sales first, go figure out how to get money coming in. Then let's work on uh, on learning the structure of finances a little bit more. But if you don't have a, a cash flow yet in the business, go learn how to make cash flow. So that's at the very early stage. It's like, let's go invest as much as we can in learning marketing, learning sales, um, and, uh, and investing into making sure that we can get cash flow so that we can have the problem of needing to manage cash flow. That's always the first place that it Yeah, it's funny. When we talk about cash flow as entrepreneurs, I'll never forget. So you have to remember with my entrepreneurial journey starting so young as a teenager, I will never forget my first 30K month. And to me, Alex, that was when I was like, I've made it. I'm going to be the world's richest man. Like this is incredible. And then I think I'm pretty sure if I can remember correctly, I think I followed that up with like a $1,500 month. So I went from the (laughs) highest of highs to just like an okay month, which I was still very excited about as a college kid. But 
But I need to ask you about that because I know that for so many entrepreneurs, lumpy income is both scary and also it makes it hard to plan. And I personally know from working with entrepreneurs at all different levels, from growing businesses myself, even at the seven figure level, you're still going to have lumpy months depending on the nature of your business. A lot of online businesses are, are at the mercy of the launch cycle is what I call it. So, so many different things happen. What's your take on how to deal with those lumpy months, Alex? And obviously your work sets us up to cope through those, but I'd love to hear your deeper thoughts about that lumpy nature of our income as entrepreneurs. Yeah, so this is a really big problem for early entrepreneurs and they kind of think that it'll just go away. And I'll just tell you, for a lot of business models, it doesn't, right? If you are in the launch cycle, and this was our business at the beginning, right? We had a ton of money all up front. And then it was like, well, we're not gonna have a ton of money again until we launch again. And it's that roller coaster of up and down. The problem is your personal expenses don't go up and down uh, at that same cycle, right? right? And so you need to have stability. And if the business is going to sustain you, if that's gonna be the main income source or, or at least a primary income source for you or your family, then you have to create stability financially. And that's when I was, you know, I, you mentioned earlier that I'm married, I've got three kids now. And when we were in that early entrepreneur stage, I, one of the big things for me was I got to prove to my wife that I can make this work. And one piece of that proof was showing her that there can be consistency in my income that kind of validates that I can do this over having a job, right? Cause that's the, you know, we all rag on W2, you know, nine to five jobs so much, but Hey, they at least provide some stability financially. Well, then we get into entrepreneurship and we think, oh, I'm going to have 30 K months. It's like, yeah, you're going to have 30 K months followed by those $1,500 months. How do you deal with that? And what I'll say is if you always take money right when you make it. It's like, I have a 30K month, so I'm gonna take all of that. It does not feel good that next month when you have a $1,500 month and you can't pay yourself. And so I like to try to smooth out that crazy roller coaster, those lumpy months, and set myself a baseline salary. And so this is why we always start with personal finances first to see what is the minimum baseline salary that I need. So we come up with that minimum and let's say it's for an entrepreneur that's starting out. Let's say that it's, you know, we get to the point where I need 2000 a month to feel like I can make this thing work or 3000 a month, doesn't matter the number. So let's call it 3K. I know I need 3K. Well, if I have a launch month where I make 40K in a month, I'm not going to pay myself all 40K, right? First of all, I'm gonna set aside uh, all of my taxes because you know that that's gonna have to get pulled out and then I'm gonna set aside for business growth. And then I'm gonna say, well, I have all this other money here that I could pay myself. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to just pay myself that 3K salary this month and the rest of it, I stick into that growth fund. And the next month, maybe I don't have any income or not enough income to pay myself again, but guess what? I've got that lump of money there. And if I'm disciplined, then I can say, cool, I'm gonna pay myself that 3K salary again. And so I like to, I really value stability in, uh, in my family, so does my wife. So I, I pay my baseline salary every single month without fail. And then when I have great months, I stack away cash into that growth fund. And for us, every quarter or every three months is when we go look at it and say, can we or should we take an extra distribution out of that? Should I pay myself more? And that's when we take our bonus. So monthly salary, quarterly bonus, that's how we run it for ourselves. And I find that that cadence tends to be pretty good for most businesses, unless you feel like oh, I've got a six month launch cycle, cool launch for the six months, do your thing, pay your baseline salary. And then when it comes time to say, all right, well, I'm going to have another launch. I know I've got plenty. Cool. Maybe I can take a bonus out of that after. But that stability is, uh, is what really allows us to 
feel like the business is successful versus paying a ton all at once and then not paying yourself anything. People start to freak out, even if they've got plenty of money in the bank. It's so funny. You've probably experienced it too. That freak out moment of, I can't pay myself. I can't pay myself, even if I did pay myself a lot. And so smooth it out and uh, life will be much simpler and much more enjoyable. Yeah, there's a lot to your answer that obviously I've personally experienced as an entrepreneur for the past 15 years. But even more importantly, the thing that stands out to me, Alex, about all of your answers is that you always bring it back to business finances and personal finances. And you openly acknowledge the way that the two in many ways, like they do impact each other. And and I'm not married, but I like hearing your married perspective because it's one that I hear from so many entrepreneurs that I know personally and that I get to network with, which is having that spouse and improving to them that there is that stability in this very scary entrepreneurial road. Because let's face it, Alex, for us as entrepreneurs, we're delusional enough. We're crazy enough to believe in ourselves, but it's scarier for the people who love us and the people who care about us. So I want to hear your perspectives on that because it's something I know that so many of my closest entrepreneurial friends, even seven, eight figure business owners, they're always doing that delicate balance of keeping their spouses happy and safe and running their family financially. How do you separate that? Because it is essentially you saying, you have to put your foot down and say, no, this money in my business bank account, Alex, I love how you call it the growth fund. This growth fund is for my business's future growth versus that money could be going to your family. Talk to us about this crazy hard balance. Yeah, it is It is really hard. And I think you hit on one of the key things, which is if you're married or you have a significant other in your life, they aren't as tied into the business as you are, right? there's actually a lot more feeling of unknowns for them than there are for you. You understand your market, you understand your launch cycle or, uh, or how you sell, you understand uh, the people that you sell to, you understand your business model. And you have to think about it, you know, we really have to, I feel like, respect our significant others and spouses' insecurity around this new thing, if, especially if it's a new business for you. And they want stability also, right? And so one of the things that kind of really got my wife's buy-in to the business was when I set that salary and I said, look at this here, let's talk through this. What if we were to pay ourselves this much every month? Could we be cool with that? And at first I think it was like 5K. It's like, can we pay ourselves 5K a month, get away with that? Would you feel good about that? Yes, I would. Sweet. So here's what I'm going to do when we have big months, because she knows, you know, I'm, I'm still sharing like, oh, we had a great month. Hey, it wasn't as great this month, but we have plenty in reserves. We're fine. If you can build up reserves in the business or extra money that you're not spending, again, it allows you to smooth things out, but then it allows you that consistency where you can say, look, hon, it's fine. We're doing great. Or when you have a big month, it's like, hey, we're going to keep taking our salary, but don't worry, there's going to be an owner's distribution, a big old bonus at the end, right? And so just having open communication with your significant other, if you're the entrepreneur of, look, honestly, here's how we're doing. Uh, and share the wins. Yes, talk about the losses, um, but show them that you're competent. Like they, they want to have trust in you. They want to believe in you. They really do. But we also need to give them some evidence that I can do this, right? Uh, and I'll just say that for me, my wife was like all in on the business once we had that salary that was just coming in. And in fact, as we started planning her uh, kind of retiring, she was a nurse for many years. As we started planning her backing away from that, bringing her hours down, it was that stability that gave us the confidence that we could say, yes, let's bring you home. We'll have you with the kids full time, which is exactly what she wanted. We can homeschool together. Now we can go take trips. We just moved into our house that we've been building for the last two and a half years. And we're far, far away from, well, civilization a little bit, um, but where, where she was working before. And so it's like that 
stability is what allowed us to be able to say, let's have the freedom to go where we want, work how much she wants or not. And when we took her out of working, it wasn't scary at all, honestly, because I knew the numbers in our business. I knew that we had the money there in reserves, both personally and in the business to weather those bumps. And uh, and again, I, I preach on reserves all day long. If you can have reserves, I, I can guarantee you, your spouse or significant other will feel so much calmer, both personally and in the business. And if you don't have that, well, then maybe it's not time to make the jump full time yet. I do see people, Brian, I know that there's this phrase, burn the boats, right? It's like, I'm burning the boats, I'm going all in. And I I, I actually don't agree with that theory. I've had a lot of people close to me burn the boats and it, uh, and it has been rough for them. Now it works for some people, but I'm a really big fan of, look, let's be prudent. Let's be good stewards over what we've been given. And stack up reserves personally, right? Build up an emergency fund personally before you just say, ah, I'm going all in and doing this, right? Or build up some reserves in the business before you do that. And that's the same way that we hire. That's the same way that we now scale ads. It's the same way that we uh, you know, build out a new line of business. We build up the reserves first and we set ourselves a, a real financial safety net before we say, I'm going all in. And again, that's just because I really value stability. So sort of personal core values coming out in the entrepreneur journey, right? And, uh, and if this is scary to you as an entrepreneur, and if it's like, this is overwhelming, take it a step at a time. Look at how can I start to understand money that's coming into my business and money that's going out. And if I can understand how much is coming in and how much is going out, it's the first step to really getting a handle on this and then getting to the point where you feel really comfortable with it, then confident with it, then mastery of it. Yeah, Alex, this all puts such a big smile on my face for a few reasons, but the one thing that I really enjoy and I can't help but think about while you're giving these answers is at the beginning of this episode when we said we'd talk about the financial picture for entrepreneurs, so many listeners probably thought, the last thing they'd hear about is the word stability. But you've said stability about 20 times during the course of our conversation today. And to me, that strikes me as just such a healthy approach to finances. And you talk about entrepreneurs potentially being scared about this, but knowing the entrepreneur to entrepreneur audience as well as I do, I think you're making a lot of people very excited to start operating in a more healthy financial way. You talk about the growth fund. I'm, I'm picturing so many listeners that I know who are always emailing me their feedback to episodes and I can already imagine them saying, well, now I really want to grow my growth fund as much as possible over the next few months and I'm sure they're up to the challenge. Alex, I do want to ask you, obviously, as we come towards the end of this conversation, I could talk to you about this all day long, but I want to ask you about that growth fund in particular because for entrepreneurs who are wondering, why don't I just pay myself? more. You talked about the additional bonuses. What are some of those growth avenues? Obviously, money makes money. I want you to talk more about that because you've worked with so many different entrepreneurs in so many different industries. Paint us a picture about how money helps you to grow even faster, even if it's not going. Yeah. So I'll just tell you that as an investor, right? If I look at my business through the lens of an investor, because I could invest my money in multiple things. I could invest my money in a 401k in the stock market. I could invest my money in real estate, which is my preferred route. I could invest money in, um, I don't know, crypto, right? Which I've done and gotten burned on plenty. Or I could invest my money in the business. If you have a vehicle that makes you money, let's call it an ATM, where you can put money in and get more money out consistently, or, uh, or, or you know that it can happen, or you know that there is a possibility that if I figure this out, I can put money into the system and get more out, then I, I, that's ultimately why we build a business. And so there's this balance again between, well, we need to take care of ourselves personally and for the future, but then 
we have found, for example, that as we shifted our business from, well, now we're just doing Facebook groups and, uh, and organic marketing to, oh, what if we learn how to do paid marketing, paid client acquisition? Now, all of a sudden, I remember before, I didn't think about, well, how can I invest in the business? I, I actually didn't see it as an investment. It was like, I, I don't know, because I can't, I can't get a clear ROI out of it. But now on, on sort of the, I won't say the back end of this journey because we haven't been in it all that long, but over the past six years, I've really started to see, okay, if I can invest in the next skill set or in the next person to come help me in the business and it moves things forward faster, then ultimately it's making my time more valuable. And all of a sudden, if I'm spending the same amount of time in the business, but we can generate more revenue or more profit even, well, then maybe that's a goal worth pursuing. And so the way that I measure this stuff in my business now is what is the dollar per hour value of my time in the business, right? Like if I work 30 hours a week, what is the outcome in the business? And can I make my time more valuable? And so that's how I measure that stick of, okay, if I put more money into the business doing this thing, if I hire uh, a remote employee or virtual assistant and I could pay uh, you know, $10 an hour for something that frees me up to go do $30 an hour work, is there an ROI there? Absolutely, because it makes my time more valuable in the business. And so that's ultimately what we're looking to do as we grow the business. Uh, now we've moved heavily into paid advertising, for example. So we spend a lot on Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube. If you have uh, seen our ads on there, we're probably relentlessly retargeting you. It's because we know that we can put money into ads and get a six or seven X return every single time, right? So how much can I put into that then? Well, I wanna put as much as I can, right? And people say, well, you know, what should I have for my marketing budget? Well, if your marketing budget uh, gets you a really great ROI, put as much as you can in there until you fill up your fulfillment delivery system, right? And I know that we could go down that road uh, a, a lot more, but the ultimate answer to your question is, if you can understand how putting money into your business buys back early on your time to go become more valuable in the business, then you start seeing, okay, I can just keep doing that. I can go get a coach or I can go hire an employee that makes my time more valuable. And that's ultimately what we want in the early stages. And then we make it so valuable until we can say, okay, well now I can buy back most of my time completely. And now I'm doing more of the thinking work in my business, the coordination work, the planning work, than just the doing work, right? And, and it just keeps stacking and stacking. And then eventually, don't get me wrong, I still feel like at the end of the day, uh, my business grows so that it can spit out plenty of cash so that I can buy assets long-term like rental properties that kick off cash for the rest of my life, right? Like that's how I see the progression of business, um, at least for me and my family personally. But we start with that seed of let me learn how to invest within the business so that I can make my time more valuable and ultimately grow the business to where I want it to be. Heck yeah, as always, healthy financial decisions that you guys are hearing from Alex here. And I know how excited it's getting every single one of you listeners, but every episode has its ending. And Alex, as we come to an end here, I know that it's only the beginning for listeners to start thinking about things this way. And I'm even gonna, I'm not even gonna open the floor for you yet, Alex, to tell listeners what they should do. I'm going to personally say that I obviously have been crawling your website in preparation for 
conversation today, CEOfinanceacademy.com. And there's two awesome goodies for listeners who are sitting there going, oh my gosh, Alex, I'm chomping at the bit. I want to start operating more in this way. You guys have two awesome things on your website. First is scheduling a profit assessment. And you guys say a free assessment of your personal or your business profitability with a profit coach. That is very cool to get this sort of external view. Obviously, we've all been able to learn from Alex here today and leverage his expertise in his own personal experiences as well. I love how much you've shared with us here today, Alex. But how cool would it be for you all, you entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs and listeners to get your own assessment with an external objective view? So I love that you guys offer that. And also you have a profit calculator on your website. That's so freaking cool, which for business owners who already have that cash flow coming on in, it's literally plug and play to find out how much your business can afford to pay you. So Alex, such cool things that you guys are doing in this space. You've certainly made it a lot of fun. I feel like I just did the normal plug for you that I always invite listeners to do. But with all of that said, I want you to tell listeners where the heck should they go next as far as any last minute tips that you have that they should take action on. And of course, echo what I just said and add to it. Tell listeners where they can follow you and the amazing work that you're doing with CEO Finance Academy. Yeah, if you're anything like me, you like to listen to uh, to this stuff in specific little chunks or you just want to hear more, uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram. Uh, I think my business partner has us on TikTok too. Uh, we're we're kind of everywhere and we're putting out content for free on all these topics. Uh, you know what, we, we have we even have a big old free course on this stuff. We're, we're just really focused on helping entrepreneurs rise up to their level of stewardship so that they can have this consistent financial abundance that they really wanted at the outset. So you can check us out at our website, ceofinanceacademy.com, or look up CEO Finance Academy on YouTube, Instagram, TikToks for all the fun things that you want to go look at. Uh, but, but really, I think that if, if you've made it to this point in the uh, episode, I just want to give you kudos because not a lot of entrepreneurs will face their finances. It's an uh, awkward topic for a lot of people. It brings up a lot of negative emotions. We recognize that our therapy background kind of informs us to look, this isn't always going to be pretty for you, but wouldn't it be better to get your head out of the sand now than to let a problem keep going for longer where it becomes much more expensive to solve it down the road. So get on top of things now, start educating yourself and uh, that feeling of control over your business, man, there's just nothing like it. Once you feel like you're in control of the finances, it's such a liberating thing. Go after it. Heck yeah. Awesome advice all throughout this, Alex. You guys heard it directly from Alex. Go to CEOfinanceacademy.com. Also, you all heard how awesome of a guest Alex has been here today. So definitely check out his content on other platforms. Gotta admit, I'm gonna have to follow you guys on TikTok so that I can actually have some sort of productive TikTok time in my nightly routine. Alex, so excited about all the work that you guys are doing. Thanks so much for coming on the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at thewantrepreneurshow.com.